0: Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search EChurchVR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Wow, so excited today for Galatians chapter 2. Can you say with me, Galatians chapter 2? Who's been reading ahead and preparing ahead? We've got some on the front row and... And I pray that you have, because last week we began part one of a six-week series on the book of Galatians, six weeks because it's six chapters. So instead of what we would normally do, take a topic or a subject and preach a series around that, we're going to look chapter by chapter, almost verse by verse through the book of Galatians as time permits. I wish we had more time to go over this. This should really be a, a course that you could spend hours and hours on each chapter, but we're going to try and give you some high points that you can go home and you can research around it yourself. And we like to try to try and do this at least once a year i believe it was last year we studied the book of james because it's important for us to discover what god's word says for our lives and so as we try to break it down we do that through teaching like this to help you to understand it better so last week we looked at really the main reason why the apostle paul the thought apostle means he's a church planter he's not a pastor he's a church planter So, everywhere he would go, he was planting, he was raising leaders to take over that church. And Paul is writing this letter to actually a group of churches in Galatia that is what we would know as modern day Turkey today. And he is writing to correct wrong doctrine that had been brought in by other Jews. He called them Judaizers, they were legalists. They came back in, they didn't like the gospel of faith, the gospel of grace. But yet they thought there had to be law still added to that. So really what they were saying was the cross wasn't enough. The cross wasn't enough. Where Paul said the cross is more than enough. Faith is more than enough. The redemptive work of Christ is more than enough. But the Gentiles who Paul had reached, that they were new to this. They didn't understand. So they said, well, I guess if you're telling us that, then I guess we need to do that also. And so one of the laws that they were trying to bring in was the law of circumcision. I know all the guys in here are like crossing your legs at that thought. And it's not really a great church growth strategy. You know what I'm talking about? If you want to grow your church, you don't say everyone has to be circumcised. It's not a good thing. And so, But that's what law does. It doesn't make sense, the law, but grace gives great blessings in our lives. So what is Paul's message, the gospel message? It's a spiritual message circumcision It's a spiritual separation, a commitment to Christ, now with your heart, not physically in your body. And that's why Paul says to Galatians in Galatians 1 verse 6, he says these words, I marvel. One translation says, I'm shocked and amazed that you would turn away so soon from Christ, He who called you to the grace of Christ, that you have turned to a different gospel. The next verse that says "That's no gospel at all. So last week we discussed and we discovered that there are two Gospels in this world. There's the Gospel of Christ and then there's the Gospel of man. There's the Gospel of life and there's the Gospel of knowledge. As we looked at the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good... And evil. And if you missed last week, you need to play catch up. It's really important. Follow on our podcast. Request a CD. Go on our website. All our messages are online, and just catch up and just be a part of that. Watch it on Facebook. It's still up on Facebook from last week, and you can be a part of that. And I just want to throw out a quick ad today. Is that cool? An advertisement right now. When you're not here, you're in danger of missing something. I I think our church is so awesome that I'm afraid to miss a Sunday. Because you're going to miss something. If you missed last Sunday, you missed something. So So I would be afraid if I was you to miss out. And here's what we've also done. We've created the opportunity where you can worship and serve. So you don't have to miss out. You can serve one service and you can worship the next. And we want you to create that. So there's no reason to miss. Turn to your neighbor and say, no reason no reason no reason no reason and say so today's message is this lose it find it lose it find it so i want to begin chapter 2 actually reading from verse 11 through 13 and i'm going to read from the message bible because it paints it in, it just presents it in such a great way today and it says this, beginning in verse 11, later when Peter came to Antioch, this is Paul speaking, this is his letter to the church of Galatia or churches of Galatia. Later when Peter came to Antioch, I had a face-to-face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. Peter had support, supported those that were teaching circumcision. Paul says, no, buddy, you were out of line. And he confronted that. You're teaching another gospel. That's not the gospel of Christ. So here's the situation, Paul says, earlier before certain persons had come from James, Peter ate with the non-Jews. He was hanging out with them. He was fellowshipping with those. They were having a good time together. But when a conservative group, that's the Judaizers, That's the Jews from Jerusalem who came and said, Hold on a second, the cross isn't enough. You need to add this. When they came from Jerusalem, Paul did what? Or Peter did what? He pulled back. Notice that. He cautiously pulled back and he put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non Jewish friends. Now, picture this everything's good. He's having a good time. He's reaching out to them, he's meeting them for coffee. He's he's chatting with them. He's excited about what God is doing in their lives. Then legalism comes. And all of a sudden, now, what's his thought is, well, I better pull back. I better protect face. What about me? What about my thoughts? And it's amazing. The King James Version says this calls Peter a hypocrite. And not only him, but those who are with him, you're a bunch of hypocrites. Now that word hypocrite comes from a theatrical thought or performance. It was when someone would stand up and act out a role that wasn't their usual role. Many times it would be used with a mask. So you would be a different person acting out that role. A hypocrite, someone who says one thing but lives and does exactly another thing. Read on. That's how fearful Peter was of the Jews or the conservative Jewish clique that had been pushing the old system of circumcision. If you know Peter, there's something you know about Peter. He never shied away usually from an argument. He never shied away from an opportunity to stand up. In fact, he had foot in mouth disease. He would put his foot in his mouth more often than not. But here he is. And as I began to read this, I thought that's the power of religion. That's the power of religion. You see, we're not religious. We're about relationship. The gospel is about a relationship. A religion is that which kills, but a relationship is that which brings life. But the power of religion had even silenced and caused the one who was the boldest. The one who always had something to say, God, if that's you on the water, I want to come. The one who said, hey, you know, the one who, hey, if everyone leaves you, I'm not going to let you down. The one that always had such boldness. Now, look what's happened with religion. He's silenced by it. Dead religion. And unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in Antioch were the same. They joined in in the hypocrisy. So that even Barnabas, one of Paul's loyal followers who would travel with him, even Barnabas was swept along in the charades. So instead of living a free life, the gospel that Paul has brought to them, and being liberated, they are now back in bondage. And that's why I believe the theme scripture or the most important verse for me in Galatians is this, Galatians 5 verse 1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm in that freedom and do not let yourselves be burdened again, put under the yoke of slavery. God has set you free. There is freedom in Christ Jesus. But let's be honest, many of us know that freedom, but we're not living that freedom. We find ourselves bound again. We found ourselves going back instead of forward. And that's exactly what's happening in Galatians. And that's exactly what happens to us. So quickly we move from life back to religion. Anyone remember Tarzan? That's the horrific impression of Tarzan right there. But he would swing in vines... From tree to tree. And that's the problem that we have, the tree of life. So many times we get on a vine and we swing over to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That we swing away from what God has done into what we have to do. That we swing away from by grace are we saved. And then it's by our works that we try to accomplish the great things in our lives. And if you don't believe me, see what happens when someone begins to push your buttons. You, you can wake up early in the morning and you're having a great time with God. You're in the Word, you're reading, you're, you're praising God. Shout to the Lord, or oh the earth, let us. And you're praising God and then all of a sudden you get on I-10... All of a sudden you get on Airline Highway, all of a sudden you get on Range Avenue, all of a sudden someone cuts you off, and all of a sudden your praise goes from God to Raising Cain. That's the PG version for church. Huh? Huh? There's someone on the front row, not looking at anyone, but they had five, fifth row seats for a concert for Mercy Me, and they were praising Jesus till someone said, "You're in my seat." What? 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 <laughs> Nearly lost their religion on the fifth row of a Mercy Me. And don't judge Joss because you're all the same. It happened to you, I told him, I said, can I use that as an illustration? He said, yes, pastor, you can. I'm not just calling him out. I asked permission because it's better to pick on him because we would be here all day if you were talking about me. So quickly we swing, bam, from a place of loving Jesus. And it's a battle for every one of us. So last week we asked the question at the beginning of the message, how can I become more Christ-like? Our message today is this, are you ready? Or our question today is this, how can I stop from going back? I I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. I I don't want to even stay where I'm at because staying where I'm at is not progressing. So, So how do I quit from swinging from tree to tree? Let's jump to verse 15, 16. It says, we Jews know that we have no advantage Of birth over non-Jewish sinners. That was the thought that because we have, we're Jews, we're the chosen ones, we're, we're the favored. But Paul writes, listen, there's no advantage in Christ. There's no advantage. You're not better than everyone else. We're either saved or we're not saved. We're living in the tree of life or in the tree of knowledge. We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping. God gave ten commandments. We see that in the Old Testament. But one thing I've realized when I was thinking about that, when did God give them the ten commandments? Was it in the promise or was it in their rebellion? It was in their rebellion. They were on their way through promise and they could have made it to the land of God. But because of their rebellion, God says, now you've got to live by a set of rules And God wanted man to live with relationship in Genesis. In the day God would come and hang out with mankind, there was a relationship. But because of rebellion, now it had created a set of rules. In order to reach God, you had to do a certain thing. In fact, the main purpose that God gave the children of Israel, the Ten Commandments, was this, to show them they can't do it alone. That it's impossible to try to please God by what you can do, by self-gain, by self-effort, that we are incapable to keep all the law. But man sure tried really hard to do that. But no matter what, man's righteousness, our righteousness is never enough because that was never God's intended way. Read on. For we know very well, Paul says, that we are not set right with God by rule-keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. And how do we know? We tried it, Paul said. We have the best system of rules. God gave them to us. The Ten Commandments that the world has ever seen. And that convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, we believe in Jesus as the Messiah, so that we might be set right before God, By trusting in Him, in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. It's not what I do, it's what He has already done. I surrender my life to what He is, His perfection to His holiness, to His righteousness. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So what do I do? I've got to fall in love with Jesus. Remember last week we talked about that? Because when we fall in love with Jesus, we're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. But we're going to love Jesus. Jump to verse 19. I'm trying not to preach today because I want to teach this more today. The only difference between preaching and teaching is the level of volume, really. you know that? When you're preaching, you just speak a little bit loud. I'm only playing. Verse 19, what actually took place is this. Paul is summing it all up. Man's trying to choose his way through rules and regulations. But he said, really, what happened is this. Here's what took place. He said, I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a law man so that I could be God's man. Paul talking about being a law man, if you read about Paul, the Bible says he excelled above everyone around him. Even his teachers and those who taught him were amazed by his observance and his teachings and his learnings of the law. He excelled in all of that. But Paul said, I was the best of the best when it came to the law, but the best of the best did not cut it. Because the law man resulted in death. But being God's man brought me life. So our message today is this. How can I quit being a law man or woman and start being God's man or woman? And here's the secret. You ready? We've got to live a crucified life. Got to live a crucified life. Now, this isn't a popular message. And I understand this. If we're trying to add numbers to our church, this isn't a message that does this. Because people aren't excited about what we're going to talk about today. But I'm telling you right now, those of you who love Jesus, those of you say, I want to believe in church, you're going to grow through this message because it's going to help you. So let me go on record by saying this today. What we're talking about, losing it to find it. I believe outside of salvation is probably the most important decision that you can ever make for your life. Listen to me today. This perhaps is the most important message outside of the salvation message that you gave your life to Christ through. This perhaps is the greatest and most important message that you will ever hear. I told Miss Nancy this. If people are going to get this, I told her Thursday, this is a life-changing message for people today. This will change your life. And where does it come from? God's Word. Read God's Word. It will change Your life. Galatians 2.20. Here it is. Are you ready? Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the crucified life. Say with me, the crucified life. Notice he says, I have been crucified. Jesus had been crucified, but he's not talking about Jesus, the one who was crucified. Paul said, I have made a decision in my life. That I would be crucified. This is what I choose, Paul says, to do. And you may say, well, hold on a second, Pastor Philip. You're saying that's what he chose to do. I thought the whole message last week was about the fact that it's not about my performance and what I do. Exactly. Because here's what Paul is saying. It's not what I do, he says, but this is what I must do. I've got to die. I've got to die. It's not what I do. I've got to die. That's the choice that I need to make. We must learn to die and stay dead. Some of us learn on a Sunday to die and then we're, we're living free on Monday. We don't even get to Monday. We're, we're living free by the time we get out of the parking lot onto Florida. Read on. And he says, and the life which I live in the flesh or the life that I used to live. He said, in the flesh... I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Dead men don't lose their temper. Dead men don't hold a resentment and a grudge. Dead dead men don't have unforgiveness in their hearts. They don't get in a rage. They don't wave in an unholy way, pointing the wrong finger. Dead men don't do that. Why? Because they're dead. They're dead. You see, living a crucified life is not living by my flesh, but it's living by the Spirit. The whole theme of Galatians from beginning to end, and the reason why Paul wrote Galatians is this, for freedom, freedom, freedom for your life. And not just freedom anyway, but freedom according to God's prescribed order, not man's. So let's take a look. Matthew 16, Jesus speaking to his disciples. and 21 through 25, talking about the crucified life. It says this, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, he must die. And on the third day, he would be raised to life. You've got to understand this isn't what they wanted to hear. The Jews of that day, they planned for Jesus to be their earthly king. That's what they thought the Messiah was, that he would come and he would free them from the oppression, the people, the Romans that were oppressing them. They were looking for an earthly king. So that's why When we still look today, that's why the Jewish people don't accept Christ, Jesus, as the Messiah. Because they're still waiting for one to come in an earthly reign. But Jesus is telling them, I'm going to die. This is it. uh, It's over. Oh, I'm going to rise again, but I'm going to die. Well, Peter doesn't like that. Because they're all in this room and they're like, what? Come on, I mean, for real? I mean, you're just messing. You're raining on our parade, Jesus. What's happening? So Peter, here he is, the one foot in the mouth. Here he is. No one else says anything. Everyone else is thinking it, but Peter's the spokesman. Peter calls Jesus to the side and looks at what Peter said in verse 22. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. That's not smart to do. He begins to rebuke Jesus. Never, he says to Jesus... Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turns to Peter and he says, You get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have the mind, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. That's not going too good for Peter. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's not going as he planned. He thought he was going to change how Jesus thought, but instead... He's not been called the devil, but the works of the devil have been manifested through him. That it's not really about God's agenda, but it's about your agenda and what man wants. Verse 24, then Jesus turned and said to all of his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Say with me, lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Say with me, find it. That's the crucified life. You've got to lose it in order to find it. You've got to lose it to find it. The crucified life looks like this. This is the gospel message. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross and you've got to follow Jesus. You know how many people want that? They want to follow Jesus. Oh, you missed it. You missed what I was saying. Oh, 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 I just want to follow Jesus. I'm just going to go to church and I want Jesus to bless me. But I don't want that denying stuff. I don't want that dying stuff. I don't want to crucify myself because I'm happy with my thoughts and where I'm at. I just need a little bit of Jesus just to help me every now and again. Can I just put a little bit of Jesus? we, We use Jesus like Tony's. We just want to sprinkle him on top of what we already do just to put a little spice into it. But the crucified life says, no, you got to die. you got to deny yourself. What does it mean to deny yourself? Man, I could preach on this for hours, but that means what you want is no longer what happens any longer. It's now, God, what do you want? told you it's not a popular message, may not get many amens today, maybe you need to say ooh ah something today, but so many people, oh they want to follow Jesus, they want to wear the Christian t-shirts, they want to have the wristbands, what would Jesus do, but they don't want to die like Jesus did, they don't want to crucify their lives. Now when Jesus is saying this to his disciples back in that day, it was another level to what we have today, because when Jesus said you've got to take up your cross and die, What the Romans would do is the Romans would line the main throughfares, the main intersections of most major towns. The Romans would line them with crosses. And on those crosses, there would be men and women and even children that would be crucified who had rebelled against Roman authority. It was a sign of our authority. Look, if you dare to rebel, if you dare to disobey, look what would happen. It wasn't empty threats. Everywhere they went, they would see symbols of the authority. They would see people who would be crucified. So what a thought when Jesus said, you're going to have to die on a cross. They they were thinking, wow, but Jesus wasn't talking about a physical death. But rather dying to self. (laughs) In order to live, something has to die. And that something is you. You've got to lose it so you can find it. I believe understanding the discipline of living a crucified life, living a life that puts to death some things, is essential to produce the results of living in the tree of life, the freedom that God has for us. Look at this statement by Pastor Chris Hodges. Most want changed situations where God wants to change us. If our situations only change and we don't, we're the same. Did you catch that? If our situations change and we don't, we're the same. God's goal is not to change what goes on around you. God wants to change what's inside of you. Because when you change, everything around you begins to change. We've got it the wrong way around. We've got to die to self. Oh, if my husband would stop being this. If my wife, if my kids, if my boss. No, God says, what about you? You're the one that's got to die. You're the one that's got to lose it in order to find it. <laughs> So how do I lose it? Here's the question. How do I lose it? How do I lose it so I can find it? How can I remain? Remember the first question, how do I stop from going back? How can I lose it to find it? How can I remain? I'm tired of living a double life. I'm tired of being free one day and in bondage the next, and sometimes not the next day, the same day. I'm tired of swinging backwards and forwards. Oh, 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 I'm tired of it. You know, in the book of Galatians, we actually see crucifixion mentioned three times. And we're going to look at those three times really quickly today. And we're going to look at the secret and we're going to look at the practice. Secret number one, you've got to crucify self. If you're taking notes today, this is important. You've got to crucify self. Galatians 2.20, Paul has said, I am crucified with Christ. I has to be crucified. The biggest problem you face in your life is not the devil. It's yourself. It's I. It's me. It's my desires. You must understand that salvation is not just a once experience. You don't just surrender your life to God once. It needs to be a daily discipline that we have in our lives. Not not that I'm getting saved every day, but I'm dying every day. There's a big difference. I'm not getting resaved every day, but I'm just dying to me every day, because me gets in the way of the gospel that wants to be alive inside of me. Are you getting this today? I guess I'm beginning to preach right now. Sorry. First Corinthians 15:31, Paul says this: "I die daily. I, I've got to die every day. My selfishness has to die every day. My, my thoughts, my, I, they've got to die every day. I've got to surrender to Christ daily. I believe every one of us should have a prayer something like this every day. God, I pray today. It's not my will, but yours. God, I want to die right now because if I don't, I'm going to say the wrong things to Kelly. If I don't, I'm going to respond in the wrong way when I get to work. I'm going to respond when I hit I-10 and I'm going to say some things and I'm going to act like a fool. God, I've got to die to me. And God, I pray that you would crucify me today, that I would just get out of the way, that you could be God. God, my desires, I give them to you. My thoughts, God, I give them. I, I die today. John the Baptist understood this. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He understood this practice and that's why John said these words, John 3.30. He must become greater and greater, speaking of Jesus. And I must become less and less. I've I've got to get out of the way, John says, so God can step in. He must increase. I must decrease. So what's our practice? The secret is I've got to die to self. What's the practice? Humility. 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 I love this quote from Roy Stockstall. He says this, A man on his face cannot fall from that position. If you get on your face before God every day, And you have an act of humility because humility says it's not about self-serving. It's about me serving other people. It's about me serving my spouse. It's about me serving my boss. It's not, well, they should be honored I'm working for them. Listen, forget all that. You are there to do a job. Do your job humbly. A man on his face, a lady on his face cannot fall from that position. And actually, humility is such a life-giving word. We're programmed to think that it's different. Oh, humility. Oh, man, that's someone who's so low. That's our thinking. My God, the lower we can get, I believe the higher God can lift us. Let me say that again. The lower we can get, the higher God can take us. Because humility doesn't sound grand, but humility is where you'll find God. You want to find God in your prayer life? Get low. We humil- have humility, humbleness. James 4 verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives what? Grace, grace to the humble. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to die to self. Here's number two. You ready? You've got to crucify the flesh. The flesh there doesn't mean our physical body, but the flesh there means our passions and our desires. It means our emotions, it means our feelings, they have to die. Galatians 5, verse 24, Paul writes these words and those who are in Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. From another translation, look what it says. It says, You don't have to accept your or oh, those who belong to Jesus Christ, I love this, have nailed the passions and the desires of Of their sinful nature to his cross. And they have crucified them there. That's not what the world is telling us today. Look at me today. That's not what the world is telling us today. Because the world says something like this. Oh, that's how you feel? Go with it. The world says, just be free to express yourself. Here's here's the biggest one that we hear. That's just who you are. and because that's who you are and that's what you feel and that's what you believe then it's okay that's what the world says well I'm here to tell you today I love you but I'm here to tell you no 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 that's the flesh inside of you and it needs to die You, you gotta crucify that you gotta kill that Look at this statement here today. You don't have to accept your passions and desires as your predisposition and your orientation. You maybe struggle with those things, but you don't have to accept those things. The world wants to label you as that, but you've got to know what God says about you. You've got to know what God's truth says. You can't live by your feelings. (laughs) Where would you be if you lived by your feelings? I'm just being honest with you today. I wouldn't be your pastor if I lived by my feelings. Come on, don't look at me all holy and crazy. If I lived by every feeling that bombards my mind and every emotion and every thought, I wouldn't be worthy. But I've got to put to death those things. Those passions, desires and feelings. You see, we've got to make a choice and here's what we've got to choose. We've got to choose to live by God's word. I know I may be feeling this, but I'm not going to trust that. I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to yield to that. I'm not going to give in to that. Why? Because my feelings will lie to me. And they are lying to me every day. I've got to put to death the flesh, my flesh, my passions, my desires, my wrong identity. What I feel is who I am. And again, the world says, it's okay, that's you. No, it's not you. If it's contrary to God's word, it's a lie and you are living a lie. So so what do we do, pastor? We've got to cry out to God and say, God, I've got something that's going on in my life that doesn't line up with your word. And I'm going to put it to death. And that's not a one-time decision that you do. But it needs to die every day inside of you. In your mind and in your heart, it needs to die. Because as you face those struggles and feelings and emotions every day, you got to believe me, Satan's going to bring them back every day. Satan's going to present them every day. But that doesn't mean you're not free. That just means Satan wants you to be in bondage to that thing. Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever made a fresh commitment to God? And man, have you ever said, man, I'm going to give God everything. I'm just going to die to self. Isn't it amazing how people come out of the woodwork that you haven't seen for two years and they start knocking on your door and they find your number? What is that? That's the devil dangling that carrot in front of you again and saying, oh, you'll never be free. This is who you are. You're an addict. Come on, that's who you are. You'll never be free. No, I'm going to die to the flesh. I'm going to die to that devil. You're a liar. You're a thief. You're a robber. Uh, you you gotta die to your fleshly feelings yeah. so you can truly live. You gotta lose it. So you can find it. Here's what you gotta do you gotta live by choices, not by feelings. You gotta live by principles, not by pressures. You gotta live by your convictions according to God's word. We've got our convictions, but we're talking about by God's word. You gotta look oh well, God doesn't say that. Oh yes he does. And it's in there if you'll look at it. And find it. I've had people come to me a lot and say, well, pastor, what's your opinion on this and that? And I look at them many times and say, my opinion doesn't really matter. What does God's word say? And that's the problem today. We're going by our opinions instead of what God's word yeah. says. And that's why we're in bondage. That's why we're not free. Yeah, that's, right. that's why we're in bondage. That's why we're not free. Wow. I, was, I was shocked the other day when I heard a statistic talking about transgender people. They were talking about transgenders have the highest rate of suicide than any other group of people in this world. It's like over 70% of them are committing suicide. Well, why is that? It's not because they've been tortured by other people. It's because there's a torture on the inside of them because they are yielding to the flesh instead of realizing their identity in God. You want to know your identity? Man, look in the mirror. God God clearly shows you there's no confusion, but man has labeled now that that's not your sexuality any longer. But God made it so clear and look in the mirror and you can know what you are. And so you've got to put to death anything that tells you that you're not that and you've got to begin to believe God. And Come on, I'm just preaching God's word to you today. I'm just preaching God's word. So practice number two, man, I've got to finish. Practice number two is choices, choices, choices. You've got to choose. You've got to make the choice. Joshua said these words, Joshua 24, 15. He said, choose for yourselves this day who you'll serve. Huh. And if you don't choo- choose, the choice is going to be made for you. But Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will, I will serve the Lord. It's a we it's a will decision you've got to make. I said it's a will decision you've got to make. It has to be a choice. It's not going to be a feeling. Well, I feel like I'm going to serve God. So what happens when you don't feel like serving God? I will serve God. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will today rejoice. I will be what God has called me to be. I am the head and not the tail. I will. You've got to make a will choice. Look at this statement today. And I don't want you to get confused with this. You've got to hang in with me here. To not choose is to lose, but to choose to lose is to find it. If you don't choose, well, I'm not going to choose. You're going to lose because someone else is going to make the choice for you. But if you choose to lose yourself and to die, you're going to find it. The devil gives me that choice every day. I can choose his way. So why can't I choose God's way? Come on, I accept His choice every day like it's the truth. Why can't I accept God's way as the truth? But I choose God's way. And so therefore I crucify the flesh. Secret number three. You've got to crucify the world. You've got to crucify the world. Crucify the world. Galatians six fourteen. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me. An eye to the world. You know what we need? We need a world filter. We need a world filter. We need to put on a world filter. And really, we have a world filter. And you know what it is? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God's Word. That inner nudge inside of us. But we need a world filter. We need to begin to look at ourselves and say, you know what? I don't need to do that. A pretty good indication whether it's right or wrong is if everyone else is doing it, that's probably not where you belong. I I don't need to do that. I I don't need to go there. I don't need to watch that. I don't care if it's the most popular show on TV right now. I I maybe don't need to watch that. That needs to die. I need to die to the world. I don't need to put that in my body. Man, I wish I could really preach on this. And and, uh, please, we're not judging anyone here. But Kelly and I have made a choice in the leadership of this church. We've made a choice to abstain from any alcohol. And why is that? Because I believe what it produces in people's lives is never any good. And I've made a determination. I'm not going to put anything inside of my body that's going to cause me to do things or say things or lose control of what God has in my life. And I know a lot of people turn around and say, you know, well, alcohol is a sin. The Bible says this, the abuse of alcohol... An excess of alcohol is a sin. But I will say this, you become one alcoholic, what? One drink at a time. It starts with the first drink. And so what I'm saying is this, I've got to have a filter. I've got to die to some things. I've got to turn around and I've got to draw the line in the sand and say, you know what, I'm going to die to these things. I I don't want to let them in. I don't want them to live in me. I've got to start looking at some things and say, as a child of the king, does that belong in me? Does that belong? As a temple of God, does that belong? And we're not just talking about alcohol, we're talking about gossip too. Come on, we're talking about a judgmental spirit, self-righteous spirit. Does that belong in me? Is that attached? Does that need to be attached to my life? Everything's attachments now. Does that need to be attached to my life? All around us today, the world is telling us how to live. Kelly and I have had this conversation so many times. It is sticking its agenda. It is forcing its agenda down your throat every show you see, everything, it is rubbing it in your face and it's saying, here it is and, and you need to do this. It's pushing its agenda stronger and higher than ever before. It's using music to do that. It's using movies to do that. It's using TV to do that. It's using social media to do that. It's using horoscopes to do that. Listen, why are you looking to the world when you need to be looking to God? I don't need to look to the stars when I can look to the heavens. Come On now, my hope is in God, not in what people say. I don't care what you are—a Leo or whatever you may be—that doesn't matter. You're a child of the King. That's all that matters. Oh, what's your? What do they call it? What's your? What they call it? The sign? What's your sign? I'm a child. I'm a a child of the King. That's what I am. Well, Well, what month were you born? It doesn't matter. I was born again on this day, and that's when everything changed in my life. Come on, you're looking at me crazy. Come on, the world is telling us sexual preference. The world is forcing it down. It's a gender. So pastor, what is right or wrong? How do I know what's right and wrong? You have the Bible and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And that's your guide. But I'm telling you right now, band, you can come back. If not, I'm going to preach all day. You cannot stay in the world and be in the tree of life. You can't have both. You can't have both. In fact, Jesus said this. You've got to love one. And you've got to hate the other. Because you can't, you can't do both. And that's the problem. Where lies our problem. We want the best of both worlds. We want to swing from tree to tree. Oh, we're in the tree of life on a Sunday. And then we're in the tree of knowledge. And life and knowledge. And life and knowledge. How do I stop from going back. I've got to die to the flesh. I've got to die to self. I've got to die to the world. You know, maybe you need to get rid of some things in your life. Maybe you need to break free from the world. You need to die to those things. And to die to those things means I'm getting rid of them, not to bring back tomorrow. I've got to draw that line in the sand and say, hey, from this day forward, this is it. And I'm going to make this choice. One last scripture today, 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. Therefore, come out from amongst them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. What a promise. You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Pastor Pete started with this. There is no one greater than my God. He is the Lord Almighty. And he says, "I want to father you. I want you to be my son and daughter, but you've got to come out from amongst them. You've got to be separate." So here's the third practice today. You've got to have separation. You've got to have separation. Separate yourselves. To separate means to disconnect from. So what have we talked about? You've got to die to self. You've got to die to the flesh. You've got to die to the world. How do I do that? Humility, choices, and separation. Would you bow your heads all over this place? I am crucified with Christ. It's not I who live, but Christ, I need to live. I need you to live inside of me. Come on, some things need to die today. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to open the altars right now. Wherever you're at, just begin to come right now. Come on, some things need to die. Let's all stand to our feet right now. Come on, some things need to die right now. You need to die to self. You need to crucify. You need to crucify those feelings. You need to crucify those emotions. You need to crucify that attack, the enemy, that lie that's contrary to what God says. Come on, the altars are open. Would you begin to come right now? Would you begin to surrender your life? Come on, would you die on the altar? That's what would happen on the altar. An altar of sacrifice was something had to die in order to be sacrificed. That means it has to give up itself, its agenda, its own personal thoughts. And it has to surrender totally to God. Come on, more people need to come all over this place right now. Come on, God's speaking to you right now. God's spirit is drawing you. Come on, keep coming, keep coming all over this place.